0: Welcome to The Pinocchio Project. I'm your host, Mitch Friedman. Ideas have consequences, and every day you're exposed to ideas that promise human flourishing. Our mission here on The Pinocchio Project is to equip you to examine these everyday ideas so that you can determine for yourself whether or not they deliver on their promises. Welcome to The Pinocchio Project your host as always Mitch Friedman joined as always by Jeff Olson uh, another election cycle is upon us y'all it's called the midterms uh, there's uh, local state and national elections uh, you probably know that at some level either by broad exposure that comes into your your audio gateway your ears uh, from remote places or you're tuned in a little more you're actually interested in what's going on i hope you're interested uh, if you're a follower of jesus christ you have a unique privilege Uh, But I've titled this episode, as we approach the midterm elections, Vote Not the Party. Vote Not the Party. And, you know, we we all have to register to vote and claim an affiliation uh, with a party. And, you know, broadly, a platform for a party can hold uh, ideas about human flourishing that uh, can be more conducive to uh, biblical expression than other parties' platforms so i'm not'm I'm not saying that that party platforms shouldn't be considered they most certainly should uh, but uh, every cycle every election cycle there are elements of representation within every party that are more or less individually as candidates attuned to what we would ascribe to as biblical values uh, relevant to human flourishing interestingly uh, this particular election cycle as we move towards November, uh, there's not a whole lot of conversation about the economy. Uh, If you have been voting very long, especially in presidential elections, uh, almost always there is a lot of attention, a lot of spotlight on how the economy is doing, because after all, in America, uh, we're not living the good life unless we have ease of putting two chickens in every pot two cars in every garage, and every other luxury necessary to experience life as we deserve to live. And so the economy is, is typically front and center. Uh, this year, it's different. Uh, I don't know if you remember, uh, the economy was in focus as is typical when Bill Clinton was running against uh, George H.W. Bush. James Carville, who was a, uh, a Clinton aide, was in an interview about what were the the most important elements of the uh, election that needed attention uh, from a national perspective? Where the where the president would have to put his focus? And Carville said snarkily to the interviewer, "It's the economy, stupid." Which uh, I see now as as a little wordplay. It's not the economy stupid that's being highlighted this year. Although most of us would say the economy could use some attention, don't you think? Uh, It's actually being subjugated, and uh, the, the, the most divisive arguments in this election are not the economy, but about autonomy. So I would offer that if Carville was speaking appropriately to an interviewer as this cycle approaches, he would not say, it's the economy, stupid. He would say, it's the autonomy, stupid. Uh, as as the court has returned the issue of abortion rights, quote unquote, uh, to the states, uh, there is much discussion and much division about how now to preserve our rights and our freedom and our autonomy, uh, and that's actually uh, the the most popular speaking point for one party who is trying to ensure their maintenance of their stronghold and a voting posture in the uh, the the House and the Senate. So the most divisive arguments in this election focus on our, and I put this in quotes, rights. And so let's have a conversation first about our rights from a biblical worldview uh, as we prepare to choose uh, candidates, and hopefully uh, not just candidates because we're straight party line, although it may turn out that way, uh, but we we still need to do the hard work. Let's let's go let's go to rights. What rights do we have? What are human rights? Uh, and I would say in a biblical worldview, our rights as humans are discovered and explained in our origin story, which was what we call the creation movement. And so, in in the creation movement, in the biblical text Genesis one and two, uh, God God unveils to us as creator. Uh, the, the rights we have as his creatures, and, and he explains what it means to be human. And, for, you know, the categories that we discuss every time we talk about our origin story or the creation story are really foundational. They are the headwaters of, of, the, of God's definition of reality as he has created all things and positioned us to, to prosper and to flourish. Uh, prosper in the right way, as uh, flourishing agents bearing his image. And so when we talk about rights uh, as Christians, uh, we're talking about pre-political rights. These are rights given to us uh, all as human beings, as image bearers. and, And the best kind of Politics uh, will hold those values that were given to us in a pre-political way, that were that were granted to us in the creation narrative, and are true for all human beings in all times. And so the the creation narrative, as you recall, and we talk about this quite often because it needs to be talked about, it needs to be be held and refreshed, and and we need to remind ourselves regularly when we're making decisions, uh, even the smallest decisions in policy or we're voting for candidates, uh, we need to be reminded of these rights for all humans that God has given us pre-politically, before the law, uh, before political constructs. So, what does it mean to be human, and what rights do we have uh, as image bearers of God? The first is to recognize that we are all made in His image, and we have distinct capacity among all the creatures. Uh, we are as god 's image bearers as human beings uh, we are we are granted uh, certain rights to express ourselves in ways that God expresses himself. Uh, in including the intelligence including a need to be relational in including a a need to create culture and to uh, see things in their proper orientation and to flourish uh, so the the first reality of, of, of what it means to be human is that we now have rights attendant to bearing God's image which is our distinct capacity uh, the 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 next move we make in understanding what it means to be human is our design. Uh, we've been created with specific equipment uh, in order to bear God's image and create culture and create civilization and fulfill uh, what what God has require or God requires of us as His image bearers. So, uh, in His image, we've been given speci- we've been given specific design, which leads right to our purpose. Our purpose now that in our design we integrate with other image bearers with other specific equipping. Now, if you think I'm being cryptic, maybe I'll just I'll just say it plainly: a male and a female are, each have different equipment in order to populate the earth, to form and fill the earth with other image bearers, uh, so that culture can be populated with image bearers and generations can be now propagated or perpetuated through. The the expression of male and female coming together as one flesh, so our, our purpose is to be integrated with other specific equipping uh, that's been given to other image bearers, and and a male and a male cannot fulfill that purpose, nor can a female and a female, and so the the kind of the final set of rights and responsibilities that we've been given prepolitically in our in our origin story is. Uh, is the reality of mandates that and responsibilities that God has given us? We are co-creators with the Creator. Uh, he created everything ex nihilo, out of nothing. We now create with all the all the good resources and and the the, the natural capacities that God has built in uh, to His great creation. So, what it means to be human and attendant to our rights is we have the right to live into and out of being made in the image of God we now have the right to to by our specific design and the equipment we've been given be integrated with other specific specifically equipped image bearers for the purpose of fulfilling our responsibilities and that is that is the that is the capacity and those are the rights that we have and those are the expectations that God has that we will use all of these four characteristics In his image, by design, on purpose, with responsibilities, we now enjoy what it means to live intimately with God and to be co-creators with him as well. So those are our rights, and we would say that some some or most of this conversation would fall under the definition of of a natural right, which is also something pre-law. So a natural right, when expressed, cannot violate the natural rights of another person it can't interfere with the enjoyment of their natural rights. And any policy, uh, any politics, any construct, or any idea that promises human flourishing, but does not grant equal natural rights across to all image bearers, is, is not to be enacted, even though in the fall, we know that many of those ideas have been enacted, and continue to be enacted, to the anti-flourishing, the degradation, and the destruction of other image bearers. So uh, the focus again uh, on on this election cycle is rights. Like I have freedom; you can't take these things away from me. And the states will be fighting about some of these particular rights in this election cycle and electing candidates that promise a maintenance of freedoms that may or may not be freedoms across the board for other image bearers. So this is where your responsibility comes in to evaluate, not just on a straight party line, but evaluate what it means to choose a candidate that best expresses the natural rights given to us in our origin story. So when, when we say we have all these rights uh, as image bearers. Um, one thing I need to add is that we are all under the Creator's authority here, as creators of family, culture, civilization, and you know what we saw in our origin story in Genesis one and two uh, was that God gave us this great, huge playground uh, with with rights to enjoy it, with just uh, one prohibition, and the the violation of that prohibition in Genesis three. Uh, became our wheels-off event that now took us into what we know as the fall, and we're still living under the curse of being now image-bearers who have our image defaced but not erased. The good news is that after the fall in Jesus Christ, we now have been declared made right. We are declared righteous, and we are also having been declared righteous as cultural agents, as people who live in time and space, uh, in places uh, that, that have governments, that we are also commanded to become the righteousness of God, making righteous or putting right that which is unrighteous. So in the fall, what was righteous was corrupted and made unrighteous, and I needed a remedy. And that remedy, that redemption comes through Jesus Christ. And what he has done In me and through me and for me, he has now given me back my humanity as I first experienced it in the garden with the responsibility to maintain the integrity of the commands that were first given in the garden to form and fill the earth, to understand what it means to use my specific equipment with other image bearers equipment so that culture can be created, civilization can be created, and flourishing can be the result. And so I know that's a whole lot, but if, if you are in this culture, if you are in a voting culture, you've been given a responsibility and a privilege in the, in the political sense to become the righteousness of God and making decisions based on who will put right or make righteous what is not right and currently unrighteous. So in order to put things right, I must be clear on what's not right in this, in this cycle. Uh, what, what's what's not right in, in the cultural landscape that's been actually uh, declared right by policy and made legal when it is patently unrighteous and should be not legal? And some of this stuff is sort of the horse is already out of the barn uh, realities, but that doesn't mean the horse can't find his way back in the barn with our voice and our assistance. So here's my proposition as to a Christian agent of righteousness and the gift we've been given of political participation. In every election cycle, we are responsible to vote the person or the candidate and not the party. Now, again, platforms can be more or less biblically attuned with biblical values as to what it means to be human. But within every platform, there are people and every candidate needs to be evaluated for their stance or their position on issues regarding what it means to be human. And those are front and center in this election cycle, maybe more so than in, in most election cycles in the past. But this is a battle that rages, that's the result of, of decades of decadence and erosion of understanding what it means to be human. So voting the candidate. Uh, here, here are some questions you can ask when you approach every candidate. So this is your voter's guide. I don't have any names because I don't know where you are but this is your voter's guide as to evaluating candidates. First, how does the candidate's attitudes, actions, or inactions promote the protection of the image of God? How does the candidate's attitudes, you know, I think that's supposed to be a singular, how do the candidate's attitudes, actions, or inactions promote the protection of the image of God? Sorry, my my grammar nerd came out. So let me get back to the main point. I must evaluate the candidate's attitudes, actions, or inactions, and whether or not they promote the protection of the image of God. Uh, so that includes a position on the abortion issue. Uh, that includes a position—let uh, me just let me just pause. When I say abortion, some of you all just black out. Uh, so let me tie it directly to the creation narrative and what it means to be made in the image of God. When we say every human being is made in the image of God, we have to include— the preborn, the preborn at every stage, starting with the spark of life, is someone made in the image of God. That is a person. Politics has co-opted all kinds of messaging and bad science. Uh, in particular, candidates and platforms insist that this is not a person. That is absolute. Uh, what I would call, uh, uh, I can't even say it on on the microphone, can I? That is absolute, uh, if you look at, at good science, you'll see that this is an, a, a person at the spark of life. So what is this candidate's attitude on the protection of the unborn? What is this candidate's position on the ref, on the redefinition of God's specific design and equipping for the image bearer? Uh, this, this may not make much sense to you uh, unless you've seen and heard and been influenced by the, uh, the transgender debate. Uh, but transgenderism is strictly a redefinition of God's specific design and the purpose of that design. Uh, so then, as follows the, the redefinition of specific design, what's the candidate's position on the mutilation of specific design? Uh, because when we allow redefinition, of an image bearer's basic design and equipping, then what follows is a supposed right to mutilate out of that image bearer the specific design and equipment to align with what that poor image bearer has decided he or she actually is as to gender and identity. It's the worst kind of deception, y'all, especially when inflicted on young people and, and it's inflicted younger and younger. So, uh, finally in this, in this question on promoting the protection of the image of God, what is this candidate's position on assisted suicide on what what we know as euthanasia? Uh, and more and more, uh, well, I don't want to even, I'll save this for another one. Uh, the, the connection between redefining design and mutilating design and the explosion. I guess I'm actually talking about it now. There is a one-to-one correlation with our insistence in this culture that young people can redefine their design and then mutilate their design. There's a direct correlation between redefinition, mutilation, and the explosion in suicide among our young people. There is a direct correlation. And when we have a voice in policy making and candidate-choosing, we must focus in on these kinds of questions. And let me just say before I move on that if a candidate is silent or has no stated position, uh, then that silence is actually telling. Secondly, voting the candidate, how does a candidate's attitudes, actions, or inactions promote God's design and purpose for his image bearers? Uh, This is is related to our first question of protection of the image of God but it's different in the sense of uh, how culture is built. Uh, Therefore, uh, the question is, what is a candidate's position on how marriage and family is defined? Uh, Marriage and family are both pre-political, formed in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, before politics and before law and the expectation for a male and female designed in God's image is that they are the hub of a flourishing culture and society. So any redefinition of that actually is a degrading of design and purpose for God's image bearers. So what's this? Also, what is this candidate's position on the expansion or reduction of sexualized culture? Uh, unfortunately, the First Amendment and freedom of speech has been broadened because of unrighteous attitudes to include all kind of pornography to include all kind of sex acts depicted in stuff coming through your screen at all hours of the day that, that corrupts for young people and for for adults as well. Uh, the sacred union of a man and a woman together for a lifetime. And also, as to God's design and purpose for His image bearers, uh, this is something you probably don't think of very often, uh, but but work is actually a good thing. Work is, is pre-Fall. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, were given responsibilities to tend a eager-to-flourish garden, but they were given the responsibility to work. So all work has dignity. And an image-bearer who is coddled uh, and and could work but won't, and, and that, that decision not to work, and I would call that laziness—I'm getting strong here—that laziness and apathy, which lives in us all if allowed and if, if cultivated— cultivated and then empowered by welfare, uh, that is almost a guarantee of an eroding economic base, an eroding moral base, and a slide into a state far worse than what it means to have to get up and go to work every day. Work has dignity. We are made to work. We are co-creators with God, and that means we cultivate through work all areas of economic life. So once again, silence or no stated position on any of these policy matters uh, is probably telling as well. So that's what I want to, uh, to encourage you today. I hope it was a bit encouraging that we first have a, a beautiful responsibility and a privilege never before experienced in any civilization in world history, that, that we, have a, we have a firm uh, voice through our vote. And we have the, the responsibility to choose candidates, uh, not just parties, but candidates, regardless of what a party platform might be. But as I close, I want to remind us that the redemption question, what can be done to fix the world's problems, will never be answered strictly by the state. And to put state in the position of savior is to, at the presidential level, insist that salvation will come on Air Force One. That is never going to appropriate the needed flourishing lifestyle uh, in a, each individual life, home, neighborhood, city, state, or the country at large. It is, it is individuals, it is image bearers who have been redeemed and are now agents of putting things right uh, in their own smaller circle of influence that will make the difference uh, by degrees. I would call it incremental uh, subsidiarity. I know that's a big word. That means that I have great influence right next to me. And it's my responsibility as a redeemed image bearer and now an agent of making things right, an agent of righteousness, to see that my smallest circle of influence is affected uh, for the glory of God. And so if my attitude, action, or inaction disregards God's design and purpose for his image bearers, then I'm unrighteous and I'm not right. And I want to be right. I want to be a change agent right where I am and then do my part in choosing candidates that can reflect a biblical worldview on what it means to be human and ensure rights that have granted at creation are available to all, regardless of size, capacity, or lifespan. For The Pinocchio Project, Mitch Friedman, signing off. Thanks so much for being with us on The Pinocchio Project today. If this podcast has value for you, please subscribe or follow. Give us a five-star rating and share. If you have an everyday idea you'd like to submit for us to examine, simply email us at PinocchioProjectPod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at PinocchioPod, or you can hit the links in the show notes below. Thanks again for listening. And remember, your everyday ideas have significant consequences.